Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name's Ryan, and uh, I'm honored to host the podcast today with Pastor Christian. Uh, this Sunday was message one uh, of four in a new series called Maybe Jesus, Studies in the Book of John. We're in the second chapter of John, and the title is House of Miracles. Welcome to the podcast. I know many people start some new things in the new year, so if you're just joining us in recent weeks, we're glad to have you on the podcast. We really hope to help you uh, activate your faith. Uh, Pastor Christian, ministering to students and children it, it has always been, right from the beginning, a key focus at Journey. So this weekend is the Family Ministry Vision Night. Can you share a few thoughts on this night as well as how important partnership is between the church and parents? Yeah, so Moses in Deuteronomy 6, uh, and that's what John is talking about, Pastor John Huber. Moses in Deuteronomy 6, from the Lord, commands parents to raise their children in a way that helps them know who God is and to teach their command, to teach God's commands, to talk about God's commands, to make them like a daily part of life, to make, to make God talk what we would eventually know as Jesus talk, the way of Jesus, to make that just a part of everyday life and everyday conversation, any place that you are. Uh, and really, I believe one day when parents stand before God, I believe when Christian parents stand before God, uh, none of them are going to be able to say, well, my church did not do a good enough job. Uh, I believe parents are responsible to disciple their children, and I believe parents should find churches that will help doing a good job discipling their children. But parents should look for churches that they can partner with, that, um, hey, when I give my kids to you, you're going to really help them know who Jesus is, discover who God has created them to be, um, figure out how to be spiritual leaders in their world, and then to make a difference in the world. And I want you as a church to give me a plan as a parent. Help me to parent. Don't just help me be a disciple. Help me be a parent who disciples my child. That's what Sunday night will be all about. And Ryan, I mean, you and I came up doing student ministry together, right? I mean, from November of 1998 till we almost till we started this church. Mm-hmm. So 12 years, almost all of our ministry was done with students. And I think we would say uh, students who had parents um, who, were, who were talking about Jesus every day look way different than students whose parents brought them to church or even made them come to church. Um, discipleship really wins in the home, not in the church. I believe the church is kind of the, the icing on the cake. Um, so our, our plan Sunday night was to help parents be disciple-making parents with their, with their children and their teenagers. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We've got three uh, kids in the student ministry, so we'll be we'll be here to learn and uh, and try to grow as parents and, and try to do the best we can. I've got I've got a half, not a half kid, yeah. but a half year left yeah. with my daughter Casey, and then hard to believe, but you know, both of mine and then two of yours will will be in the college yeah. ministry. Two uh, our two oldest two will be juniors in college before the end of twenty twenty two. Yeah, hard to believe. So this new series is called Maybe Jesus from mm-hmm. the Gospel of John. So can you explain to our listeners what you hope to accomplish over the next several weeks? So my goal in this series very specifically is to help convince people uh, to try Jesus as the solution to their problem. So, you know, we, start, we started this series with a, with a series of statistics in a survey of Kansas City that just basically says the people of our city are tired, they're broken, they're burned out, they're depressed, um, they're hurting. 
And we're saying like, um, hey, maybe, maybe you should try Jesus. It's interesting. The same survey that said that our city is burnt out, broken, and hurting um, said that six out of ten think the church could probably help them. Um, I say, yeah, give, it, give us a shot. Give us a shot to, through the message of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the direction of Jesus, the spiritual community of Jesus, uh, to reach in and touch your life. You know, not everyone who came to Jesus in Scripture was convinced that he could help or would help, but they all hoped that he might. And we look at three people in the book of John in this series. In John chapter 2, um, we, we meet the person that we actually study about on Sunday, uh, where we see Jesus' mom basically say, um, he can help. I don't know if he will. I don't know if he wants to, but he can. Yeah. Um, so just listen to him in case maybe he wants to do something. Next week in uh, John chapter 3, we'll meet a man named Nicodemus. Um, who comes to Jesus and basically says, like, I recognize there's something special about you spiritually, but I don't understand how you could help someone like me with all my religious background and baggage. But maybe you can. And then in two weeks, we look at John chapter 5, and we look at a man uh, who'd, who'd lost all hope, so much, so much to the point that when Jesus, after 38 years of, of being physically paralyzed, when Jesus said, um, do, you want, do you want help? The guy basically said, there's no help for me. He didn't say yes or no. He's just like, yeah, I think that time has passed me by. We are looking to train our people uh, who believe that Jesus is the solution to their problems. We're looking to train our people to hear about issues in the world and, and to throw Jesus in as a possible solution. Hey, but like, have you thought about Jesus? Maybe he, maybe he can help. We're also asking our people to invite their friends who have tried everything but Jesus, but need him desperately, uh, so that we can say, hey, like, uh, maybe, maybe Jesus can help you. Maybe you ought to try uh, Jesus. And then the last week of the month, um, we'll be with a wonderful family from Central Virginia, um, Andy and Linda Barrick, and their um, two kids, Jen and Josh, hearing the story of how their life was upended by a drunk driver, uh, I think 15 years ago, 15 or 16 years ago, and how allowing Jesus to live in the middle of their story um, turned their tragedy into tremendous ministry. Still not easy, uh, but because Jesus stepped into their story, it's, it's just been miraculous. So this will be a month of telling people, um, hey, try Jesus, of teaching our people to tell their friends, challenge people to try Jesus, and of telling people who've tried everything but Jesus, just like, give, what would it hurt? I'll say that this Sunday. Like, what would... You think bringing Jesus into your situation is going to make it worse? Like, that's, that's what Mary knew. Mary's like, I'm not sure how he can help, but I know he's not going to hurt. So just, like, do what he says. He might tell you where to go buy more wine. He might find some money. He might just pray so we all feel better. But he's not going to make the situation worse, so do what he says. Uh, that's, that's the thought and the theme of the series and hopefully what it accomplishes. It's going to be a really informative uh, series. Remember, you can always watch the service or listen to it. Um, if you haven't gotten a chance to do that, those are online. We'd love for you to get a chance to do that, help you study as we uh, try to go a little bit deeper each time in the podcast. In John chapter 2, you read the account of Jesus at the wedding in Cana. They run out of wine. His mother asks him to fix it. She tells the folks serving at the wedding, do whatever he tells you. They do it, and a miracle happens. The Bible has answers to a number of problems we all face but obedience is important. Uh, why is it important to give our problems to Jesus, but also essential to be obedient to his word 
like what he tells us to do? Well, I think so often Jesus wants us to do the natural so that he can do the supernatural. You know, the church father Augustine said, um, pray like it all depends on God, but work like it all depends on you. There's something in the supernatural patchwork of what God is doing in our life um, where God says, like, hey, step out in faith, um, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. The cool thing is that God, I think God's stride length is a little bigger than ours. So, like, if we're like a hundred paces apart, the reality is, like, if we take one, God's one makes up the rest of the 99. Like, as soon as we draw near to God, He draws near to us. But I think so often um, we, want, we want the miracle of Jesus without any obedience to Jesus. And when you look at the early pages of New Testament scripture and you see people in a posture of repentance, you see people who are looking for more. You see people who have tried everything and it hasn't worked. And they're under the ministry of John the Baptist who's saying, like, you need to repent. You need to change the way you're living. You need to live in a new direction. Not so you can be blessed, but so that you can meet the Messiah, so you can live in the kingdom of God. They all had, the crowd that was getting baptized by John the Baptizer all had the same questions. Like, well, what do we do? Um, just tell us, what, tell us what to do in order to align our life with, with Jesus. This, this Messiah that you say is coming, this kingdom that you say is coming, tell us what we need to do to live in that. And he's like, well, if you've stolen anything from anyone, you need to give it back. Um, and he told the Roman soldiers, like, don't treat people unfairly or impartially. He told the tax collectors, don't take more than you should. Like, there was instruction for how to live in the kingdom of Jesus under the authority of Jesus. Now I think we have a world that wants all of Jesus without any of his authority. Um, and really, we, we want to kind of give him our list of demands. And Mary didn't tell Jesus what to do, when to do it, how to do it. She just believed that he could do something. And she believed obedience was the key. Like, if you will do what he tells you to do, he'll do the rest. Yeah. So, like, you know, I, I said in my message... I just really believe those of you struggling with a lot of things, if you had a chance to talk to someone who knew the Bible, who would say, what, does, what would Jesus advise me to do in this situation? And somebody could give you scripture and you did that for a year, I believe it'd make your situation better. And I believe somewhere in the midst of that, he would meet you and the natural would become supernatural. Like, I just believe there's enough spiritual wisdom that if we would, be, if we would begin to be obedient, one, it it would put us in a position. It would put us in a position to kind of intersect, uh, intersect with the miraculous. But secondly, it would put Jesus in a position to be able to trust us with the miraculous. So I think I think obedience is the key. But I think a posture of willingness and surrender is key. What What do we need to do now? They knew in John chapter two they were in trouble. Uh, they had a problem that they could not solve. So they were like, "You tell us what you need us to do." to put you in a position to do what only you can do. And I, and I wish more Christians had that posture. Just, I've got, a, I've got an issue in my life that demands a miracle. So Jesus, what do I need to do to build you the runway to bring a miracle into my life? Um, I'll do everything I can do, and then I'll trust you to do what only you can do. Um, I think there is the intersection of that. Pray like it all depends on Jesus, but work like it all depends on you that allows God to trust putting into your hands. What, what, do you like to, what do you like to put into your hands and what do you like to put into your life? You and I both know there's times where we're working with people, talking with people, and they have kind of their own agenda that although they know what God's Word says, they, they have the outcome that they want, so they tend to ignore that. And so I would say if you're listening... 
think through that. Take the advice of what Pastor Christian said and think through what, especially if you already know what God's Word has to say about your situation. Don't, don't say that, well, I think he's telling me something else when his Word says the opposite. Uh, we, we, we all have uh, situations in our own life, and, and often in ministry we, we deal with people that are battling through that. So think through, really pray through, make sure you're being obedient to what God's calling you to do. Pastor Christian, for the second week in a row, you've, you've challenged our people uh, to walk through growth track, and I appreciate that, uh, having my team lead that each week, uh, trying to help people. Why are you so passionate about helping people walk through it? So the four steps of growth track are know God, um, discover your design, um, develop your leadership, and then make a difference. If we're not helping people do those things as a church, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. And I don't know that you'll get it as clearly. Like if you didn't miss church for 52 Sundays in 2022, I don't know that it would, that in 52 sermons you would hear as laser focused how to know God, discover your design, develop your leadership and make a difference. Like if you'll give our church four hours to step into this system, I promise you at the end, you may not want to do it. You may not have time to do it. Um, You may not think you can do it, but you will have a plan to be who God created you to be. You'll know what you're called to do, and you'll, you'll have a place that you can do that in. And I think at the exact same time, you'll know how our church is designed to help you know God at a deeper level. We, we said in this message specifically that the book of John, John 20, 31, John said, I wrote all these words on all these pages so that you could know and believe that Jesus was the Son of God so that you could have life in his name. Like John said, I didn't, I want you to believe in Jesus, not so you'll get the answer right, but so that your life will be changed. I want people to go through growth tracks so their life will be changed. So he said, John wrote his book in this series of seven, seven I am statements of Jesus, seven sermons of Jesus, seven signs of Jesus. Like seven is this number of perfection. I said, if God was a football player, he'd wear the the number seven. Like some, John Elway. Yeah, and some people thought John Elway, and some people thought, what's the difference between John Elway and God? Well, like a lot, especially for Chiefs fans. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you said that. I was going to use that joke in my message on Sunday, and we have at least one unspiritual Broncos fan in our church. You, yeah. Um, yes, so, yeah. yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but John said, all of, like, all of these things, interesting that John is the name of the guy who wrote the yeah. Book of Sevens. Um, John said, like, all of these things are to help you know Jesus, because knowing Jesus will change your life. Why do I want people to go to growth track? Not so they can know about Jesus, but so that they can know Jesus. So he can change their life. Not for journey, but for them. Um, like you could go through this, these four weeks, never come back to journey. And if you know Jesus more deeply, your life will be changed. Yep. This is for you, not for us as a church. So, you know, we talked about Ryan Lefevre, who um, two weeks ago it just shared a little bit of his own story in that week two of discovering his design. I realized kind of like what God had made me to do really good and like where I scored really low. And he took that as, I felt like my mission was to bring my low score up. That's great. But he learned some things about himself spiritually so that he could grab hold of his mission and make a difference for Jesus. Like that's the purpose of it. Uh, And we just want to be laser focused with, here's a four-step plan that we think can really fast forward you into who God created you to be and what God created you to do. And if you're listening, it'll be a step of growth and discipleship. Exactly. Yes. It'll be a step of growth and discipleship. Whether you've been with us 10 years and you think, well, I know everything you're going to talk about in there. Come in there and say, man, applaud it. You're going to, it's going to reiterate why you're here. Not only a step of growth and discipleship, 
but it will direct your future steps of growth and disciple. You'll come out of that knowing exactly where you need to be for your next stage. Whether you're a former pastor who's been in ministry for 25 years, whether you're a seminary graduate, whether you just became a Christian, you'll leave thinking, I now know what my next steps to follow Jesus at Journey are. Absolutely, and, and help some others go through it. If you've been through it and you know it would benefit someone else, grab them and say, hey, I'll, I'll sit with you through it. it would be, it's, it's a step of discipleship for someone else and, and, and step of disciple-making for you. Pastor Christian, the final point of your message is the purpose of John's history lesson, that John wants you to believe in Jesus so that you can find life in his name. You, you kind of shared the statistics, right? Um, Kansas City stressed, anxious, depressed, and lonely. And you've gone to share four really impactful words, drawing, drawing close to Jesus. They're important for that. Surrender, separate, uh, separate, saturate, and situate. Why are these four words so important? When you look at the posture of Jesus followers in Scripture, right, and we have, I mean, if you believe kind of the historic Orthodox dates of dating the New Testament, you know, a lot of people believe that Revelation was, you know, written maybe in the early 90s. So you have 60 years. Not the 1990s. Right, yeah, not the 1990s, <laughs> like the 0090. Um, yeah, like you have 60 years from the crucifixion of Jesus to the end of the book of Revelation where we get to watch the church become the greatest movement in the history of the world. So we have to constantly go back there and say, what did people, what did they do? What did they do that, that allowed them to be a part of this thing that God was doing in them and through them for the world? And we see the first step is surrender, right? I mean, Jesus said, like, if you're not willing to lose your life, you won't find your life. You got to deny yourself. You got to take up your cross. So like you, you got to get to the end of your rope like his mom did when she's like, um, we're at a wedding line. And there are no other answers. Like really the beginning of your story with Jesus is the exact same place of the end of your story trying to do it yourself when you're like, I just, I just can't do it all myself. It is surrendering to say that I need help. Um, after you surrender, you have to separate. You have to separate from the world. You have to separate sometimes from people. You have to separate from sin. You have to separate from self-reliance. You have to separate from old places and old faces. You have to separate from an old worldviews and old perceptions and old securities. It really is a tearing away from who you used to be. Uh, Paul would say that we crucify our old self with Christ. So you literally look at, at separating the old things in your life by nailing them onto a cross, and you walk away and you leave those there. And then there is that saturation. You begin to saturate your life with, word, with the Word of God. Psalm 1 says that people who walk with God are like trees, planted by streams. Every day their roots are in the living water. You say, I want to be strong spiritually. Every day your root has to touch Jesus. You have to saturate yourself with the Word of God, the Son of God. He is the living water who will help you stay alive spiritually. And then you have to situate yourself in spiritual community. You have to, you have to live intentionally towards the community of God, the kingdom of God, the mission of God, what God is doing. So I think those words are so key. You say, you know, what, what does it mean for me to fill up the jars? Surrender, separate, saturate, situate. You do those four things, and Jesus will turn your water to wine. Like, you do those four things. You do the natural, 
and Jesus will do the supernatural. I just, I, Ryan, I've experienced it, I've seen it, and I believe it with all my heart. Yeah, it's amazing. Those are exactly the steps of my wife and I when we came to Christ yeah. in our early 20s. I mean, that is very much our story. Yeah. We had to surrender a lot. We had to separate. We, we had to learn to read God's Word and, yeah, situate some things in our life. And, that's, and, he, and he guided us and he directed us. Yeah. And they're things that we never regret. Yeah. I, I can't imagine my life if I hadn't done those things. They're not easy. Yeah, but they're, you, you don't regret them when you've done them. Yeah. So last question that we like to end with each week. So if you're listening, this is always kind of an activate portion of the podcast where you can take what you've learned and, and help someone else. So what from this message would you want our audience to share with someone? Yeah, it's got to be those four words, right? I mean, if I'm discipling someone, if I'm mentoring my son or my daughter, uh, if, if I've got a small group, if I'm leading a Bible study at my school, it's got to be these four words, right? It's got to be, um, what do you need to surrender? Where might you need to separate? How do you need to saturate your life more with who God is? And, and how, how do you design your life to be more part of God's spiritual community and God's mission? It's got to be those four words, but in a tangible way. What do you need to surrender? Where do you need to separate? How can you saturate better? Uh, and then when you get to the fourth one, it's like, what, what can you do to organize your life around the kingdom and the mission and the community of God? And I would say this uh, as we close out the podcast. Groups are getting ready to start again. Um, I know we'll be talking more about and be looking for those. If you're listening and you're not in a discipleship group, we would love to help you find one. There's a lot of great options. So be sure to do that because you cannot do it on your own. Uh, you really